0: Regardless of what I regardless of what I said, you, you can all be seated. good to see you in the house of the Lord, Pastor Stanley, since his love, things are going well at the dreamland children 's home, one hundred and fifty or one hundred and forty nine children right now. Uh, there is still some fighting going on in Juba and in that area, and uh, one of the biggest challenges we need to uh, pray for now is that it is because of the fighting, they're having problems with some of the crops that they're putting out there. And for the Dreamland, we are blessed. We've got about a six-month supply there, should be in good shape. But uh, but by the same token, as that continues to go on, if it does, then some of that food will be going out to some of the people in the area. So uh, we really need to continue to pray, Father. We pray for Pastor Stanley and all those precious children at the dreamland. And Lord, it's somehow in spite of what seems to be just a continual political challenge and a tribal challenge that you can weigh in on that thing and settle that issue over there, especially for the sake of the children, especially for the sake of the children. Lord, some of those children have known nothing but warfare and, and Lord, the trauma that goes with that. But the bright light of the dreamland really is a light to the entire nation over there. and We thank you that we are training future leaders that will help change that nation for your your glory. And We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Today is a very special day. Number one is the day the Lord has made. Number two, it's Thelma Snuggs' birthday. Let's all say happy birthday to Dr. Snuggs. Glory to God. We are excited. Give her a hand back there. I'm not going to tell the story of your 50th birthday. How many of you would like to hear it? All of you converge upon... Oh, we can share it real quick. Dr. Snuggs uh, asked Pastor Pam and I, and Mel Hughes and Diane Hughes and another couple or two, she said, I'm having my 50th birthday, and I want to take all of you out to the Outback for my 50th birthday. And I said, you're, you're taking us all out and buying? We should buy a few. she said, no, I feel like God wants me to take all of you out. So we were out there. How many of you remember Mel? Okay. Remember how... Um, uh, organized Mel was and how punctual he was, and and he's a true administrator. So we're all sitting out there at the outback. For those of you that don't know Mel, he was our church administrator, uh, a mission trip to Guatemala, and the plane crashed, and he went directly to be with Jesus. So he had a great reward. I can just see Jesus saying, what are you doing here so early? He said, I was out doing missionary work, and now I'm with you, and glory to God, he had it made. But he's a wonderful guy. So we're sitting out there talking about birthdays. Help me out if I'm missing some of it. And, and something came up about a, a date. Mel had a date or something. He said, well, yeah. About her date. yeah, and said, well, what about her date? And she said, when she was born. And he's, and he's just sitting there looking quizzical. Yeah, that's right. And he said, that doesn't make sense that you'd be 50. And she's, well, I can prove it to you. And she got her driver's license. Now, how many of you know Thelma when she wants to prove something? <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. If you know Thelma, and she got her driver's license out and gave it to Mel, and he looked at it and he said, "Thelma, you're 49." She said, "I'm 50." And he said, "You're hey, 49." And she said, "Look at her driver's license." And sure enough, she was 49. <laughs> it was, it was hilarious. But anyway, we love Thelma. Happy birthday. Okay, how many of you like to laugh? I've been working on a message, and I don't know when, when I'm going to share it. I don't know who's sharing Sunday, Pam, or myself, but, but uh, uh, the message is on uh, the, the power, the powerful force of joy in our lives and what it does to us uh, medicinally and how God created it. And it all starts to make sense then when you think about joy, so it's good to laugh. Now, I got this off the internet, and when I read the bio of the person who put all this together, he goes around. Talking to young kids, kind of like the old Art Linkletter. How many of you remember the Art Link, Kids Say the darndest Thing? Well, his comes up, Kids Say the Funniest Things Too. Couldn't find one or I'd have brought it along, but this is Kids Say the Funniest Things Too. Honey, you'll love this. Uh, it, the, the title is basically uh, talking about dating and, or actually marriage. It's talking about marriage with, with young kids. So how do you decide uh, who to marry? You got to find now. This is a ten-year-old. You got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like if you like sports, she should like it. Like you like sports, and she keep the chips and dip coming. Okay, this this ten-year-old Alan. No person can really decide before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all way before, and then you get you find out later and get stuck with it. That's <laughs> that's person age age ten. <clears throat> What is the right age to get married? 23, this is the 10 year old Camille. 23 is the best age because you've known the person forever by then. <laughs> this is little Freddie, he's age six. No age is good to get married at. You got to fool around to get married. <laughs> oh, no, I read that wrong. <laughs> you got to be a fool to get married. <laughs> you got to be a fool to give her a You want to help me? <laughs> I think I am going to help tonight. <laughs> you want to you you help So we can still have a service on Sunday. <laughs> Here's an 8-year-old. You might have to guess based on whether they... Oh, wait. How can a stranger tell if two people are married? You might have to guess based on whether or not they're yelling at the same kids. <laughs> I like that. What do you think? This one, is one of my favorite. What do you think your mom and dad have in common? This is an eight-year-old girl. Both don't want to have any more kids. <laughs> <laughs> what do most people do on a date? I got to get this one right. Dates are for having fun, and this is an 8-year-old. Dates are for having fun, and people should use them to get to know each other. Even boys have something to say if you listen long enough. (laughs) And this is little Martin, age 10. On the first date, they just tell each other lies, and that usually gets them interested enough to go for the second date. (laughs) This one's kind of weird, but it's, uh, uh, what would you do on your first date if it started turning sour? This is a nine-year-old, Craig. I'd run home and play dead. The next day, I'd call the newspaper and make sure they wrote about me in the dead column. (laughs) This one is, uh, when is it okay to kiss someone? And the first one is by a little girl named Pam. It's okay to kiss someone if they're rich. (laughs) Little Kurt, age 7, says, The law says you have to be 18, so I wouldn't mess with that. And then another 8-year-old says, The rule goes like this. If you kiss someone, then you should marry them and have kids with them. It's just the right thing to do. (laughs) Is it better to be single or married? Anita, age 9. It's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. (laughs) How would the world be different if people didn't get married? Kevin, age 8. These just precious what kids say. Sure would be a lot of kids to explain, wouldn't there? (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is what it says. It's kind of cute coming from a little 10-year-old boy. How would you make your marriage work? Tell your wife she looks pretty even if she looks like a truck. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. I just like to laugh. We're going to talk about this sometime later. But when you laugh, your body starts secreting, um, what are those things? Endorphins. So we have just got some endorphins flowing in our body, and that's a good thing. So turn to that neighbor and see if they look like they've had endorphins flowing. <laughs> Because if you don't have some endorphins flowing, you look like an old sourpuss. And nobody wants you to look like that because you're supposed to look like Jesus. Okay, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Mark, chapter 11. That's where we're going to start. And the word of the Lord I feel tonight that God gave me is the word of God is our faith we talk a lot about faith and how we need faith to accomplish what God has us to accomplish and to do what God's called us to do. And, 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 uh, and, and so we get to the point sometimes, did I say Mark chapter 11 verse 22? Yeah. Uh, so what happens is we talk about faith a lot of times and, and sometimes we say, well, I have faith for this or I have faith for that or I have faith for this over here or faith for all that. All faith is based on faith in God, and our faith is based on the Word of God. Without the Word of God, you really don't have faith. You're hoping for some things, but you don't have the absolute concrete assurance unless God has shown you through His Word what He has for you, whether it be the written Word of God or whether it be the current manna from the Holy Spirit. And it, once you have the Word of God, then you know what God's will is. Does that make sense with you so far? Now, Jesus in Mark 11:22 said, have faith in God. So all of our faith is based in God, not what we think, but what we think He thinks regarding this situation. Make sense so far? Wave your hand if it makes sense so far. Okay. And so therefore, in the day and age that we live in, we are living in really troubled times, troubled waters. People have moved away from the Word of God. Nations have moved away from the Word of God. You know, our, our focus for a lot of people in this nation right now is on the Democratic Convention. The Republicans just had theirs. And while there are some independents that are running that, you know, it's not going to be president, but, but one or two people are going to be president. Uh, it looks like either either Hil- Hillary Clinton or, or uh, Donald Trump. Uh, one person is not going to change a nation. The nation is going the way of the focus of the people, of the nation. And, and we've got, we have to know what God is speaking to us, especially as times become more and more troubled. And how many of you would believe that we are living in a world with extremely troubled times? Uh, We need to pray for the people in France, especially for the family of the priest that was uh, killed. How how many of you are aware of the priest that was murdered by ISIS over in in France? And uh, we we need to have spiritual awareness and discernment like never before. It's always been important, but we have to have it more like never before. I don't ever want to make somebody feel bad about a situation that happened. But I believe this. I believe that when danger is coming, the Holy Spirit is trying to speak, and He's trying to warn people. And I believe that people can become so busy being busy that they're not listening to that small inner voice. I believe God will tell you sometimes to get off of a certain street. I believe He'll tell you to flee situations and circumstances, and you won't even necessarily know why. You get ready to go somewhere. And, and the Holy Spirit's trying to say, don't do that tonight, or do this, or don't do that, or don't do this. That is activating, hopefully, faith in an individual to do what God says and to be obedient. Like when you train up a child, don't do this, don't play in the street, don't do this. Why do you do it? Because you foresee what could happen down the road for that child. God knows everything. And in the book of John chapter 16, you hear me quote this scripture a lot, but it's John chapter 16, verse 13. It says, the Holy Spirit shows us things to come. I believe that's for our life. I believe that's the plan for our life and things like this, that He shows us bits and pieces. I also believe He shows you danger when it's coming. I believe He'll show you when to slow down, when to stop. I'll never forget this. I was a newborn Christian. And somebody told me that you just need to do whatever you feel God is showing you in your spirit. I didn't even know for sure what God said or how it was. I just knew I had feelings. And I was driving down Highway 52 years and years ago. And I was driving too fast, but I was driving down Highway 52, and there's a car coming down the side road. And as I drove down that car, I just had this overwhelming feeling that I was supposed to slow down. And I just started hitting the brakes, didn't know why, and that car just shot through that stop, light, or stop sign, and right across the road, uh, we would have probably been right in the same place at that intersection hitting that. I could have had the radio turned up, which I normally do have. I could have been listening to music, which I normally do. But in this situation, I happen to be open to listen to what God was saying. I believe He saved my life in that situation. Now, if we get to the point when we realize that the most important thing for me is to know what God is saying and to meditate what He's saying and to be obedient to what He's saying, then we will start to fulfill His plan and His purpose for our life. I don't know how to say this other than how it feels to me. It seems to me like people are busy, being busy, being busy, running here, running there, doing this, doing that, running over here, running over there, running over here. When do we actually enjoy the life God has given us, and when do we actually hear what God is saying, and when do we take charge of our life by yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit to do what He's called us to do? We start to perform for other people. In other words, god, God's god got a plan for us, but because of the demands that are on us. Now, how many of you, is making sense to you so far? Because of the demands that's on us, we're meeting all the demands of everybody right here. How about the demand of God saying, do this and don't do that? Don't do that. Do this. Do that. Well, if I do that, they're going to be upset with me. Well, if I do this, they'll be upset with me. Well, I don't want anybody upset with me, so I'll do whatever the people say. And pretty soon, then, the people are controlling your life. Situations and circumstances are controlling life you are not being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, so far, so good. Now, if we get to this point, ministering to myself tonight, if we get to this point, then we're going to base our faith on what we're doing, on what God is saying to me to do, and you do the same thing. There are a lot of people today who are trying to base their faith on what somebody else said even a pastor even a minister watching TBN I watch TBN watching Daystar I watch Daystar I listen to other people's messages but you can't be following other people you're ca- you're called to follow the Holy Spirit and the word of God for you so when we get to that point <clears throat> then we're going to enter into faith uh, I remember years ago Dr. Lester Summerall, who's in heaven right now, told our pastor, Billy Joe Doherty, who's in heaven also, uh, don't think you could go anywhere in the world and start a church and do what you're doing right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is a sovereign move of God. God has picked you to birth this church in this community, and it is a sovereign move of God. You can try to copy somebody else, but it's not an original with God for you. God wants to lead and guide you. Now, this is what faith is. Faith is conviction, confidence, trust, trustworthiness, and persuasion. The divinely implanted New Testament principle of inward conference, confidence, assurance, trust, and reliance in God... And all that he says to you—that makes sense yes. to you. What is God saying to you? And many times people will come to me and they say, "Well, uh, so and so said that, so and so said that." I say, "What is God saying to you?" So, well, I don't know. I said, "Well, then you get to need to go to the drawing board," because God is a personal God, and He speaks to each and every one of us. Now, the foundation of our faith is hope. That's Hebrews chapter eleven verse one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. You have to have hope, but all of our hope is based on the word of God. And that, if you look at Hebrews, Romans chapter ten verse seventeen, it says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let's just say, it. faith comes, faith comes by, hearing by, hearing. by hearing, and hearing the word of God. Amen. So the more you meditate and hear the Word of God the more your faith continues to build based on the Word of God for you. If you look at the world situation and you study how terrible the Word is, you can start to become very depressed, very dismayed. But yet the Word of God to Joshua said, Don't become discouraged and don't become dismayed. So when we meditate the Word of God, we're meditating the promise of God. And the more we meditate the Word of God, the more we start to believe the Word of God. Make sense so far? Now, how many of you would like to please God? The way you please God is in Hebrew chapter 11, verse 6. Our faith pleases God. We'll take a look over here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So our faith pleases God, but without faith, we don't and aren't pleasing to God. Why? Because it's of faith. Now, we're going to talk about Two of my favorite scriptures and stories in the whole Bible, some of you have heard this before, but it's so powerful on the day and age I believe that we live in. God knows what's going on in this world. God gave us 2 Timothy chapter 3. God gave us the Word through His Son Jesus, what's going to happen as we enter in and as we are in the end times. So we're not going to focus on all the bad things that are going to happen. We're going to focus on what God said that we would be prepared and that we would be ready for everything that's going to happen that would be walking by faith, not by sight, and that we would know what to do based on the leading of the Holy Spirit, based on the Word of God, and based on the position that God wants us to take in every situation. If we're not careful, we can just become busy being busy. And we can learn so much from people and and from the Bible. Not the last trip to the Sudan, but the time before, I forget which one it was, we were sitting with the regional commissioner of Uh, that area of the Sudan over there. And he would be like uh, probably um, if you took a governor and you took uh, um, a Supreme Court justice, he'd be like that. He, He had total autonomy to rule over everything that happened in that particular area. And he was appointed by the government, but he was also one of the tribal leaders over there. Really neat, neat guy. Young guy, about 30 years old. And we were in there waiting in a list that reminded me of uh, Moses when you read in the Bible. But I had all these people waiting on That's what this guy was like. And I had all these people waiting on him. And we were just another group of people. We were over there with Purdue University and waiting to hear him. And, you, and we heard him judge. And, and, and he really was a righteous guy. When we finally got to him, uh, one of us asked the question, do you do this all day long? And he said, "Yes, I do. They bring all their complaints, all the problems, to me." And uh, and and he made this statement: "We don't have time to learn from our own mistakes. We must learn from the mistakes of others who went before us." I thought that was such a powerful uh, wording. That, that that how many of you have made a lot of mistakes? How many of you would like to have learned from somebody before you made those mistakes so that you wouldn't have had to have made those mistakes? Learn from your mistakes, obviously, but sometimes we can take a shortcut and learn from the mistakes of other people that went before us. And that's where faith comes in to learn from those people that went before us. Now, we're going to look at the book of Numbers, chapter 13, because it's such a powerful scripture. And again, I've ministered on this scripture before, but in Numbers chapter thirteen, it's a story about how many of you sometimes feel like you are just busy being busy and you just wonder what you're really accomplishing. Can I see your hands? Or you just wonder if you're just going through, you know, just da 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 da. But yet God has got a sovereign plan for each and every one of us, and He wants us to accomplish what He has. And and, and there's a great example to learn from about faith with Moses and the 12 spies when God spoke to them. Because remember, the, the, the word of God is our faith, whatever God said. And in Numbers chapter 13, it, it's, it's when God spoke to Moses and it said, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. Numbers chapter 13 verses 1 and 2. So Moses did exactly what God told him to do. And Joshua and Caleb were two of the twelve leaders. Now these weren't just everyday people. These were leaders of, of, of huge groups of people. And they had surfaced into leadership. And they went into the land that God had promised. Now everybody say God had promised. Every time God tells you something, what is that? That is a promise from God that it's either going to happen or this is what you're supposed to do about it. In other words, God is a God of promise. Turn to your neighbor and tell you have promises from God. Now, the promise from God should activate your faith. In other words, if you are in a financial situation and God's word says that you'll have abundance for every good work, then what do you have? that's a little weak. What do you have? You can focus on the lack that it looks like you have in your checkbook or your pocket or whatever or you can focus on what the word of God says, but your faith will be activated like God defines faith by focusing on what did God say. Everybody say what did God say? Tell tell you what did God say? Tell, tell Maybe it's just me, but my observation of people lately is that they're not talking about what God said. They're talking about problems. Oh, this is bad. 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 Wait a minute. Time out. What did the Word of God say? Well, the Word of God said, but. The Word of God said, but. Need to get the buts out of the way and just say, this is what the Word of God said, period. The Word of God says I have abundance, but it doesn't look like it. I'm not looking at what it doesn't look like. I'm looking about what my faith dictates to me. God said, if I will believe Him, I will have a promise from Him, and my faith will bring forth the miracle that God wants me to have. So we have abundance. Do we have abundance? Yes, we have abundance. Tell your neighbors, say, we have abundance. I can't tell you how many times this message I have to activate in myself Every day, but especially, I I am inundated in my mind with thoughts about our land and our building. Constantly. Put a picture of our land and building up if you can. Uh, I think about it all the time. I drive by it all the time. And I think, God, what am I supposed to do? And this is what I hear. I told you what to do. I said, God, all I've heard is wait. And this is what I hear. If that's what I told you to do, that's what you should do. And it's like, God, I'm tired of waiting. And that's what I heard. I'm not. Now, I, does God speak to you like that? Do you have similar conversations? God, I know your plan is perfect, but I don't really care for it any longer. I want you to rush your plan. Now, I, you know, I don't want that. You know that. I want God's plan. But you have something like that in your life. I drive by that building and I think, I'm not doing anything. All I'm doing is praying and saying, God told me to wait. And God, if God told me to wait, and then he told us to wait. I could have misheard God, but I don't think I did. I think that's what I'm supposed to do. So I think that I'm supposed to wait. Any visitors here tonight? Anybody else? Okay, all the way in the back. Give our visitors a hand. The reason I say that is because that sign does not exist other than on our computer. That belongs to land, That block of concrete belongs to Landis and Gear. We just used a little creative technology and put our sign up there. Now, I know what God said, or I know what I, I think God said. How many of you know that you know what God said? Or you at least think you know what God said, or you think it was God? Is that turn to your neighbor and say, I know what God said. Okay, if you know what God said, then why would we ever be sad? Why would we ever be frustrated? Why would we ever think I don't have enough? Why would we ever think like I'm wasting my time? Why would we not just be doing what God said? Duh. If you can get your best duh, just turn to your neighbor and say, duh. If God said it, it settles the issue. We'll walk by faith and not by sight, so therefore we know exactly what to do. Now, I'm studying the principle in the the, the example here. We learn from people who went before us. So Moses knew what God said. The 12 leaders knew what God said. And God launched them through Moses into the promised land to bring back a good report. That was not uncommon in that era or this era today. In the military, when you're taking property, you send out spies. One of the things we're looking at today in our military... Where we have a breakdown is with the CIA. We don't have the spy network in the Middle East like we used to have. So, therefore, things have happened over there and caught us off guard. The reason it caught us off guard was because we didn't have spies to bring back a report and say, hey, this is going on over there and you need to do something about it. Well, the 12 spies went out and they came back to give a report. Now, they already had the report they needed. The report was this is the land flowing with milk and honey, that I am giving you. And they came back fully knowing that God said, I'm giving you that land. But something happened. They started looking around in the land, not just at the milk and honey, not just at the fruit that was just back-breaking that they had to put it on big poles to bring it back. They started looking around and they got their head up there and they saw the descendants of Anak. And they said, Man, those suckers are big. They are a lot bigger than us, and they are a lot more powerful than us. And they started describing that, that we look like grasshoppers in their sight. And they started coming back and telling the people how bad the situation was instead of releasing their faith and how good the situation was because God said, I'm giving you the land. Everybody say, God said. God said. Turn to your neighbor and say, God said. If you know what God said, your faith should be activated. But instead, sometimes we all look up too. God said, I have abundance. Well, I didn't pay my light bill. I didn't pay my electric bill. I don't have enough money to send the kids here. Don't have enough money to pay this. Folks, I've been there. We know what it's like to juggle bills. I know what it's like not to pay bills. I know what it's like to have a call from the creditor and say, when are you going to pay your bill? Actually, I know what it's like to ignore the phone call. How many of you know somebody like that? It's it's like the phone's ringing. It's 7 o'clock. I know those people are on duty calling and finding out where the money is. We we, We went through a lot of that. But it doesn't change the Word of God. The Word of God is our faith and that we have abundance because God said so. We have the mind of Christ because God says so. Everything that we speak, we birth as an oracle of God by faith what the Word of God is and the will of God is. If you know what God is saying, all you have to do is speak what He's saying. They came back and 10 of the spies gave a, a, a bad report. They, they really did. They turned the hearts of a multitude of people. We have people proclaiming now how bad America is and all the problems. We have people now claiming how good America is and all the problems. Basically, the Republican convention is, was talking about how bad things have become. The Democratic position has been how good things are. And we weigh in somewhere in between and say, I think they both got room for improvement. But it's God who's going to weigh in, okay? And so what happens then is, you start saying things contrary to the will of God, and you'll start believing those things. You say enough things contrary to the will of God, and you will start to believe them. And then, instead of reading what it says, it says the man of God in Second Timothy, no matter how bad things it gets, it says the man of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's 2 Timothy chapter 4. A man of God is going to be thoroughly equipped. I don't care what's going to happen on this wor- on, on this earth. I mean, I do care, but no matter what happens, based on what God said is going to happen, we are going to be thoroughly equipped if we'll allow the Word of God to whirl in our body. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I plan to be thoroughly equipped. Be thoroughly equipped. <laughs> now, if if you understand this, these 12 spies came back and and. And an entire nation of people were affected by basically what is described to us in the the Old Covenant as four words. And in Numbers chapter 13, verses 30 and verses 31, ten of the spies came back and said, we are not able, four words, we are not able. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, we are well able. Four words. The four words that came against God's word moved all the people out of God's blessing. Because they didn't release their faith, they released their sight. I want to say that again. They didn't release their faith, they released their sight. How many of you would say that your sight many times is a little bit more active than your faith i know what i see i see it so quickly my faith says opposite of what i see i know that what's going to win out our faith or our sight we walk by faith and not by sight let us all say that we walk by faith and not by sight. these 10 spies that came back these 10 leaders they apparently were not bad people they were good people But what happened is they let their faith go and their sight took over and what they saw became more dominant than what God said. I believe the same things happen today with many people. I see more dominant than what my faith is trying to dictate to me. What we've got to do is fight the fight of faith and say, I know what I see. But I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I believe, and I know what I believe. I believe I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I believe I have abundance in my life. I believe I have the mind of Christ. I believe I'm healed in every area of my body. I speak to my organs. You are healed in Jesus' name. I believe I'm created in the image of Almighty God, and therefore we start to walk, talk like the Word of God tells us to, and we never get depressed or we never get anxious. We never get anxious. Everybody say that. Say it again. We never get Say it again. We never get anxious. Say it again. We never get anxious. I don't understand this and I don't know where I'm going with it. But what I read today was that endorphins if you get, if you OD on endorphins, OD good thing. If you OD on endorphins, you can't get anxious. That's what I read. I We're back and read it again. I said, God, if this is a word from you, let me know because I don't have my medical license, but I'm ready to preach this one. I do have two honorary doctors, though. One from a radio station, for your visitors. One from a radio station, and one from Dr. Snuggs. where Dr. Snuggs go? She what? A birthday party to go to? Is that right? She came in here for us to say happy birthday, and she went to a birthday party. <laughs> you were just upset because you didn't get to go. I'm upset because I didn't get to go. <laughs> yeah, wasn't invited. Where was I going with that? What was I saying? Endorphins. 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 Do, do you know? And I got to thinking about that. If I laugh and get. uh, and, and, <laughs> I can't tell the story, can I? <laughs> about you and your sister. No. <laughs> How many would you like to hear that story? <laughs> uh, but but what. I've never seen anybody anxious and full of anxiety that's laughing. They're having a good time. After they get all done, they got to start to think about what they were anxious about and then go back to where they were. You're, oh, yeah, nah, nah. It just doesn't work. And so as they're reading this medical report, and I thought, what if God created us to laugh a lot, no matter what, and the worse things got, the more we laughed? And the more we laughed, the more we fought off the anxiety and we never had to be anxious again. And we just laughed all the time. I, I don't know if that's correct or not, but I'm going to research it out. Now, let's go back to the word. So, so in other words, 10 good men came back and said, we're not able. We can't do it. We looked around. They got giants in the land. We're grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do it. And finally, God weighed in and said, okay. And he took care of it. And they wandered in the desert for 40 years. Joshua and Caleb got to go into the promised land because they said, we are well able. God is giving us the land. They stood on the word of God. They released their faith and they moved forward. Now, Fast forward just a little bit here because it's really important to learn from other people. Joshua is riding on an absolute high. I am surmising that by reading the Bible, but Joshua is promoted. His mentor Moses has gone on. Joshua is promoted. He's leading the people. He's the head person right now, and everything is going great, and he's listening to God, and he's tuning into God. Every single one of us know that feeling. You're listening to God. You're doing what God said. Everything is working out fine, and you see the power, power of God move on your behalf, and all of us have also experienced situations before where it seemed like all oh, hell broke loose. What's going on? What's wrong? It's, it's, it's almost a dichotomy that takes place. But in, in Joshua chapter, uh, chapter 7, we're going to... Uh, excuse me, Joshua chapter 6, we are we're, we're going to jump up there because Joshua apparently... Was a man of God that believed God. He was Moses' understudy, and, he, and what God told him he believed. And, and in Joshua chapter 1, 8, and 9, it's kind of a summation. We're going to go to Joshua chapter six, by the way. But in Joshua one eight nine, I, w- w- whether he was wavering or not, we don't know. But but he just needed to know, apparently, how to lead these people. He needed some some encouragement from God. Can I see the hands of all the people that, from time to time, you need some encouragement from God? God's encouragement to you is His word. God's encouragement to you is His word. Let me give you an example. If I came up to you tonight. And I said, you know, I really, I really, I'm going to give you $5. I just feel like God wants me to give you $5. Would you believe me? You know, you would because you've been around me. You think, well, if you think that you're supposed to give me $5, you're not going to wring your hand and say, I don't know if you're going to give it to me or not. I don't know whether you're, I think you're just teasing me. I don't know. Grandkids might say that. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I tease them. But, but anyway, you, you, you know, you, you're going to believe somebody because of your reputa- because of their reputation and their integrity with you. Well, with God, it is absolute. Whatever God said is a promise to you, and it is his integrity, and he can't break his promise. Turn to your neighbor and say, God can't break his promise. He he is a God of promise unless we turn our back on Him. So, so in Joshua chapter 1, 8, and 9, this is is one of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Bible. I've, I've preached this thing ever since I heard it in Tulsa. That's where I first heard it. When God said to Joshua, Joshua, if you'll meditate the Word, my Word, day and night, you will make your prosperous and you will have good success. Don't ever be dismayed and don't ever be discouraged. Now, I wish I could stand up here and tell you I've never been dismayed, and I've never been discouraged. (laughs) I've been both. But you know what? It's better to walk by faith than discouragement or dismay. And the moment you can get back on that faith level of walk and say, I know what God said, God said it, that settles it. The The reason the children of God, it says in Hebrews, the reason they didn't enter into the promised land was because they didn't take the Word of God, mix it with faith, and rest in it. Once you know the Word of God, you mix it with faith, you enter into rest. How many of you could use a little bit more rest in your life? I'm not talking about sleep, two of you. Thank you. I'm not talking about sleep. I'm talking about a restful, peaceful mind. Hard work is not bad. That's good. Sleep is not bad, but you can't, there's, there's a sleep that comes from depression, too. There's a sleep that comes from I'm tired, i worked hard all day long, and then there's a depressive sleep. But when you get to the point when you're walking at rest, nothing is going to, you just got to get this deep in your nothing's going to bother you. Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing's going to bother me. Bother. How many of you know this terminology? My mom used to use it a lot when she was alive. Pat Peeves. How many of you heard that before, pet peeves? Isn't that a dumb thing to have? Yeah. Pet peeves sound like I'm talking about my mom. I have a, yeah, you know, I got a pet. His name is Dulcey. Her name is Dulcie. It's her dog, but I love that her dog. Uh, I, you know, you carry a pet around with you. You carry a pet around a pet. That's why they call it a pet. Isn't that deep te- teaching tonight? <laughs> I have a pet peeve. Why would you have a pet peeve? That is stupid. It's the one thing I like about Donald Trump. When he sees stupid people, he just basically says, stupid is a stupid does. That's a stupid person. Now, I'm sorry. I'm not, this is not a political message. OK, so, so but, but I mean, doesn't it sound stupid to say, I have a pet peeve now. Every time this happens, it sets me off. How many of you have some things that, but well, that's another term my mom used to use, sets me off. Yeah. How, how many of you have things that set you off? Guess what the devil likes to do. He likes to bring things across your path that sets you off. Well, anyway, I'm getting carried away here. Okay, now, if we're looking, if we're looking at where we are right here, uh, I think, where did I end up? Joshua chapter 6, that's where we're going. So here's Joshua, he's powerful for God. Chapter 6, Joshua hears from God, he gets the plan of God for his first battle under his total leadership, and it's at Jericho. And we don't know what happened. Joshua might have gone out and said, God, what is the plan? What do you want me to do? We know he was that type of a leader. Moses was. So he said, Joshua, or Joshua would say, God, what is your plan? And I know I'm adding a little bit to it here. And God said, this is my plan. I'm giving you the land. This is my plan. Joshua took the plan. He downloaded it into his mind. He knew exactly what to do. He told his leaders exactly what they were going to do, and they initiated the plan. Everybody say, initiated the plan. Tell your neighbor, God's got a plan for you. If you're not careful, you listen to everybody's plan but the one God has for you. You only need to do what God's called you to do, not what other people expect you to do. There are a lot of people that are busy but they're not doing what God's called them to do. And so Joshua does this and he goes out and and they're victorious. The walls fall down. We don't have to go through all of it for time's sake. The walls fall down. They're totally victorious. Everything that God said happened, happened exactly as God did say it. If If we do what God said, we'll have what God said. If we don't position ourselves where God wants us to be positioned, we won't have what God has for us because God is a God of position. God is a God of ordering us so that we obey because the blessings of God, Deuteronomy 28 and 1 and 2 said, the blessings of God will overcome the people as we're obedient to what God has called us to do. So Everything happened exactly as God said. Now, you would think that Joshua and all of his people were high-fiving. They had everything God said. They probably were. And now it's time to move out, and God leads them into the battle of Ai, he thinks. Have you ever fought a battle without God? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. You know that song? Now he's going to fight the battle of Ai, but you don't hear many songs about Joshua fighting the battle of Ai because he got his butt kicked real fast. I'm going to tell you why he did, and some of you have had yours kicked because you've done something that looked like it was the right thing, smelled like it was the right thing, but it wasn't the right thing. You can learn a valuable lesson from Joshua here. I'm going to paraphrase all of 7, Joshua chapter 7, for time's sake. But They got ready to go up, to the first battle of Ai. There were instructions given that none of the spoil was to be taken at Jericho. We know that there was a challenge there with Achan and his family, but I don't believe that was the big challenge. When Joshua got ready to go up to the first battle of Ai, he didn't have the plan of God. I'll just read a couple things to you here, which I think is happening in the body of Christ today. Verse number 7 of Joshua, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the cursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebediah, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. They weren't supposed to take any of the spoil. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country, just like he did at Jericho. Go up, spy out the country. So the men went up and they spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and they said, Don't let the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Don't worry the people. These people are few, they're not that powerful. Now, can you get what's happening? Joshua went from listening to God and getting His plan to listening to well-meaning people. These people were probably very well-meaning. They said, "Joshua, the people are tired. They're weary." Yeah, that sounds good. Hey, let's take care of it. you. Know, what the heck? They, they've had a hard day. Let's let them watch television here at the camp, and just a few of us will go up and you know let them have a steak. And you know, if you're not careful, you can enable people by not bringing them the truth of the Word of God. They didn't need to be sitting around the camp. They needed to be doing what God told them to do. And when you read the rest of Joshua chapter 7, you will find out that Joshua went to battle without knowing the plan of God. He did not know what God said. They got defeated up there and had to run down the hill. They went into full retreat, and Joshua didn't understand why. And it said Joshua fell on his face, tore his clothes, and cried out to God, and God said, Get up, you got sin in the camp. He did have sin in the camp. But here's what I believe would have happened. I believe that if Joshua, in the start of the chapter 7, would have said, God, what is your plan? Are, Are we ready to go to battle? Is everything ready to go? I believe God would have said, Joshua, you have sin in the camp. Get the sin out, and then I'll give you the plan. A lot of people today are moving ahead and trying to get God to bless their plan. And John Osteen said this years ago, and I think it's so powerful, Joel's father. He said, I used to cry out to God constantly, and I get on my knees and I say, God bless this plan, God bless this plan, God bless this plan. He said, one night in the middle of my crying out to God, God said, John, 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 you just need to ask me what my plan is. You won't have to praise so the hard. My plan's already blessed. And John Osteen said it changed his entire life. God's plan is already blessed. God is not working for you. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him God doesn't work for you. We work for God. And God has a plan for each and every one of us. And He knows exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And if we'll do it, we'll have everything that He wants us to have. Tell your neighbor, it's it's really just that simple. I didn't come up with a catchy phrase. One day I was praying years ago. And this is what I heard in my spirit. Uh, If you live the word, you'll be blessed. And if you don't, you won't. The word, I heard the whole thing. The Word of God is truth, and if you live the Word, you'll be blessed, and if you don't, you won't. Just that simple. And I heard that, and I wrote it down. I thought, oh, that's kind of a catchy little ditty. We've been saying it every time since then. I say it all the time, because I know if I know what God said, I'm okay. If I don't know what God said, I'm on my own. I don't like being on my own. I've been on my own before. I've tried to get God to work for me, and it doesn't work. Turn to your neighbor and say, it doesn't work for you either. So then, in Joshua chapter 8, Joshua learned a valuable lesson. He got the sin out of the camp, took care of what God told him to do, exactly the way God told him to do it. He treated Achan and his family exactly what God said. Some people today would say, oh, that's not fair. What about those people? We're not to enable people. We're to train people. You're not to enable your children. You're to command your children. You command your children with love, with compassion, with mercy, but you command your children... They're not your buddies to do whatever they want to do. Getting off on a subject here, I shouldn't be on. Okay, glory to God. We'll come back here. So in Joshua chapter 8, it said, now the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, right, back to his original instructions, and then gave him the exact plan on how to take AI. They went in, took AI. Everything happened exactly the way God said. Tell your neighbor, it's going to happen exactly the way God said going to happen exactly the way god said now and the victory was there Joshua learned a valuable lesson. We can learn a valuable lesson from God. Every single one of us have done things God told us to do, and we saw the victory come, and we've done things the way we thought we should do it, and we hadn't gotten the leading of God, and it didn't work out for us. If we do what God said, we'll always have what God wants us to have. Three things I want to give you as we close this message tonight. Your most important priority is, number one, what? is the written Word of God. There is a dumbing down of America and a dumbing down of the church today of excitement and charisma and all these kind of things, and I think there's a pulling away from reading the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, and that is the foundation for everything we do. The foundation for all faith is the Word of God. Without the Word of God, you do not have faith. You can hope, but you do not have the Word of God in you. That's why little young people, young children, grandchildren, your children, they've got to be brought up in the Word of God because when they get older... They're not going to come back to that original state. Age three to seven is when the foundation of a child or somewhere in there. I think I'm a little too heavy now. I think it's three to six or something. But the, the, the basic personality of the child is formed with the Word of God. It should be with the Word of God. Number two. What is the current leading of the Holy Spirit? If, the, if you don't raise people up, yourself included, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, then they're not going to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I know it sounds simple when I say that, but that's true. If you don't learn with, at a young age to learn the holy, verse of the Holy Spirit, it becomes more difficult when you're older. You get bu- busy, the Holy Spirit is not that dominant to speak into our lives that overtakes us. It's a still, small inner voice. And number three is my faith in action. Without faith, uh, without action, faith is dead. It said, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Faith without works is dead. Stop being busy. Start being productive. And don't try to justify not doing what God said. Just do it. Let's stand to our feet. God is no respecter of persons. He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. Some of you are here tonight. You're facing what looks like insurmountable problems.